0: This podcast is for anyone that works with clients at an ad or marketing agency, also known as a suit traditionally. This is your chance to hear from client service veterans and other industry professionals on everything advertising and account management related. My hope is every episode will all get a little better at what we do every day. Hello, listeners. If you have any doubt about what you're listening to or who I am, rest assured, this is SuitsCast and I am your host, Brooklyn Cravens. One of the things that I love about the ad industry and doing the show is being able to see the diversity in the people that I talk to and the agencies that are here across the country and around the world. And today's guest is no different being in the polar opposite geographically from where I am here in Florida. I'm really happy today to be speaking with Luke Stafford. He is currently the agency owner of Mondo Media Works up in, and I, I, Luke will correct me if I say this wrong, but Brattle Bro, Vermont as uh, the local, say, up there. And he has been running that agency for over eight years. He got started when he was really young, uh, in his late 20s, and he has had a successful agency run up to now. Originally started his history back in journalism with some pretty good videography and photography skills. So uh, being an agency owner, he has, as you can imagine, has been in every single role that an agency full service wise can really outfit, whether it be a media buyer, uh, a creative director, as you can imagine, an account manager. And we've got a, a, some pretty good topics today, talking about um, you know what what happens when you bring a new client in, what that process looks like, and ultimately just given his thoughts on account management as an agency owner. But uh, before we dive too far into it, any spoilers? Uh, just wanted to say hello. How, how
1: are you doing today, Luke? I'm doing great. Thanks, thanks for having me, Brooklyn. It's good to be here, and you nailed the pronunciation of Brattleboro. Good job. I
0: love it. And you're in Vermont, where sounds like an interesting place to have an agency. I've never been. I think it can get pretty freezing from what you've said, but also you've got beautiful scenery, right?
1: Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, all, it's all part of the, the beauty of living here. I mean, I mean, I'm looking out my window right now, and I can just see mountains. It's, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's good, man. I, earlier you mentioned, you know, snowboarding regularly and being from upstate New York. So I think that's part for the course for you. Whereas here, you know, it's, it drops down to the low fifties and we're all ready to whip our coats. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you have the ocean right there. I mean, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a trade-off, right? It's true. Yeah. Definitely a
0: trade-off. You, you snowboard, we surf. Board. That's right. So, Luke, thanks again for being on the show. Um, I'm really just uh, intrigued by the fact that not only are you an agency owner, which definitely makes you a new guest, but also uh, just how young of an agency owner you are. What, what, What was that like just from starting the agency, fulfilling a lot of roles at such a young age, dealing with clients? What was that like leading up to where you're at now?
1: I guess I didn't really, um, think about my age or, or frankly, a lack of experience in the agency world because I didn't, um, I had never worked in an agency before I was coming in, uh, coming in blind in the sense that I had no experience, but I had the confidence that I, that I could do it. You know, I was a journalism major. I was supposed to be a a newspaper reporter, but when I graduated college, that was right when newspapers started tanking. And so uh quickly realized that I would have to do the digital thing if I was going to make writing professionally happen. And then on the client side, I got exposed to what agency, um, the agency world was like. And I remember when I saw my first um, agency pitch, when I was on the client side, they came in and pitched some campaign ideas. And I was like, oh, that's that's what an agency does. I was and I was like, I can I think I could do that. Um, and then within a, a year or so, I had started my own agency and, you know, said, let's let's give this a whirl. And that's pretty
0: cool. Even our agency, uh, Benedict Advertising, our president, actually, his dad started the agency. But similar to you, he was in his early 30s when he actually bought his dad out and kind of taken things to, uh, he, he has taken things to where it is now. So it's always just really, really cool to see that. But... I guess in the, the eight, eight, nine years that you have been at the helm of the agency, specifically when it comes to account management, you know, what's what's your philosophy with handling clients, you know, after all these years and really embarking on an agency journey with no agency experience?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't really um, have a kind of a, a, a strict point system of, of what needs to happen with account management, right? I was account management was just part of what I was doing when it was just me when I started. So now that we've grown and I'm managing account managers, um, I need to be able to communicate clearly what is most important. So um, the number one thing is fulfilling the client's business goals. So this is something that I'm repeating over and over this year, again, to, to everybody at Mondo. But it's this idea that if we are going to grow as a company, we need to be able to, uh, to grow our clients. And that means growing and hitting their business goals. And that's the only way we're going to be able to grow personally and professionally. And the only way we're going to grow Mondo, and that's going to grow the business. And it works in this, uh, this nice circle that everything is feeding into each other. So that's definitely number one thing is fulfilling their business goals. And it's, it's not that easy to get that clear answer from them of what that business goal is. So that's, that's a true um, mark of a good account manager is to be able to get that very clearly defined business goal out of them. So I think that's the number one thing. And then and number two, I think is building trust. And that's not going to be anything groundbreaking to, to account managers out there. I mean, you can't. You're not going to be able to get that clear business goal from your clients um, and get them to follow along with you on a a strategy that you and your team at the agency have developed unless you have their trust. right? And then I think the last thing is, and I have to give one of my account managers at Mondo credit for this because this is something she kind of declared to me a, a few weeks ago, is that really, as an account manager, your most important job is to ask why. And what I mean by that is that, you know, your client might come to you and say, oh, we uh, we just opened a new hotel. We're in the hospitality industry. So it's, we just uh, opened a new ho- hotel and we uh, we, sh- we should get it on Snapchat. And your first duty as an account manager is to ask why. Why do you want to do that? Um, and to have that conversation with them and get it out of them that, hey, that might not be the, the wisest use of time and resources to go on Snapchat. So it's really asking why um, and then being able to have the expertise and the Um, the know-how and the confidence to, to steer them in the right direction.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And I think I think some agencies do get, I think, caught up in the the idea business. And obviously, we are in the idea business. But I think some agencies get so caught up in coming up with a cool idea or on the flip side, just trying to eagerly win over a client that, like you said, you forget to ask why and you forget to kind of just lay that basic challenge to the client of, well, is that really a good idea or is that not, like you said in your Snapchat case. And I think trying to make everything go back to an account uh, or a client, rather their business goals is Absolutely key. Now, one thing that kind of going along, I think, with your philosophy that you've talked to me a little bit about is you place a very strong emphasis on how you transition new clients over to the account team. Can you talk a little bit about what what that process looks like?
1: Yeah, this has very much been a trial and error thing, um, through the years as we brought dedicated account managers on. It used to be when we were smaller, the account managers were also the doers, right? So the person that was our social media, um, person was also doing account management if it was a social media heavy account. So now that we have dedicated account managers, um, yeah, it's this, how do you, um, how do you do that transition? Um, uh, when it's, when it's time, when you've gone through the sales process and the contract is signed. So I think the, um, the biggest thing is, uh, bringing the account manager in as early as possible into the, uh, into the sales process. So, um, at Mondo, we, um, when a lead comes in, we will, uh, assess it. I will assess it as kind of the head of new business. Um, and sometimes it's very easy to tell that they're not going to be a fit, but if it makes it past the, um, the initial, uh, tests, the initial red flags, then I will usually bring it to the COO and he and I are yin and yang in the sense that he um, thinks to ask all the questions that I don't think, uh, think of when I'm excited about a new client, or if I'm not very excited, um, he'll, he'll see the potential in it. And then the next step is to bring it right to the account manager and it has to pass their test too. So we won't even proceed with um, uh, a new lead unless it gets past that third step, which is the account manager has to assess it uh, for his or her own, uh, requirements to be a, uh, successful partnership. That's the, um, I think the the biggest thing that we're experimenting with this year is bringing them in as early as possible and not even just bringing them in, but um, that they have the authority to uh, to say yay or nay to a potential client
0: and I like that. I like how even when it comes to just vetting new clients it's a very collaborative process. It sounds like you know you know going through you, you know your head of new business, and then the actual account manager now is that are those kind of multiple uh, steps or phases, just so I can understand a little better. Are, are those before you even do something like a pitch? Or do these steps gradually happen as you go through an actual pitching or presentation process?
1: Yeah, that's, that's well before the pitch. So we are very much in the lead assessment phase at this point. And if the account manager is excited about it and sees the potential, um, then we will bring it to uh, the marketing director, uh, who's our head of strategy as well, um, and then also to the to the creative director as well and, and get their thoughts on it. Um, and at that point, we need to talk to the client. And this is when we're trying to get their business goals out of them. Um, so before we can go too far, we need to, to, to understand what are we trying to help you accomplish? And this is also the point where you have to set clear expectations that, you know, if they think we're going to come in and be their savior, if it's a sinking ship of a business and they, they need us to um, to save them, then that's not necessarily something we can do. Um, but we can help you achieve your goals. Absolutely. Um, so we're trying to assess how serious is this client about doing their job to grow the business and how can we, how can we work with them? Um, so the, the marketing director and the creative director are giving their thoughts and we're kind of building an estimate at this point. So we say, okay, they've, they let us know their goal. They want to grow, um, they want to grow their, their AGI this year by 5%. Here's what we know about them so far. Here's just kind of a quick look. Uh, if it's in the, the, the hotel and tourism industry, we know that industry very well. So we can kind of make some assumptions about what's going to work for them. Um, so we need to understand that business goal very early on and then we're, we're kind of Doing a a little a little uh, surface scratch of the the strategy process at that point, uh, meeting as a team with the five of us. Um, and then we'll we'll keep going through the process, but the the idea is that the account manager is in, is involved through that whole process. as am I as the the new business head.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I think as the agency owner, your perspective on when a when a business comes to you and they say, "Hey, we're we're, we're kind of at our, our last leg here and we think hiring an agency is going to save us." I, I think just from an overall perspective, I do think that is a very dangerous position for an agency to jump into. So, I think that was a, a very good point you made. Now, let's jump through your process a little bit and let's say that somebody makes it through the all the way through to pitching and getting the business and you're you're layering up different accounts on your different account managers. Do you at Mondo have a uh, an account limit, so to speak? You know, I think at at small to medium sized agencies, an account manager will have a handful of accounts, if not more that they manage rather than a single account for an account person at a large agency. Do you, your agency have that account limit to basically prevent burnout or any sort of diminished level of productivity or work? I I guess my question is how, how many accounts is too much for one person?
1: Yeah, we don't have a, um, a hard and fast number. I think I, I, I would venture to say that one of our account managers, um, got up to, to 15 or maybe even more accounts. Um, cause it was at a, it was at a point where another account manager was out on maternity leave. So, but I wouldn't call that ideal for the work that we're in where it's, it's highly custom. Um, and they are, um, tend to be, they're not, they're not small accounts. Um, but, um, the, you know, they're not 500 bucks a month retainer or something, but there, there can be some larger ones, but I guess we're, we're in a good spot in a sense that none of our clients are more than ten percent of our revenue, so we don't have any of those elephant clients where if we lose them we would be in big trouble. Um, I think our biggest is is right at nine or ten percent. Um, so this sweet spot, I was, I mean, I think ideally uh, we would be in the five to ten range for the for the size um, company that we are. So we're uh, sixteen people at Mondo. So I think that five to ten accounts range is is ideal, but you can, we can get over 10 if they're, if they are smaller and we are very efficient with our systems and in how we interact with our clients. Yeah.
0: And I totally agree with that approach. I do agree also that it really does depend, I think on the agency and what your workload is in terms of what kind of work you do. Uh, like you said, you know, doing, doing a lot of the, the custom full service work that looks different for each client, you're only going to have a limited number of accounts as a manager. Uh, but then, you know, you look at digital agencies that might just do websites or SEO and it's not uncanny for someone. To be managing 30 40 50 accounts that are at a, a 500 to a thousand bucks a month retainer so i i do agree it does it does look a little bit different one of the things that you mentioned in the beginning as kind of your your main points of account management philosophy is building trust with a client and i think that bringing on an account manager early in the process like you said uh, is a big step towards that but what aside from that what specific tips do you have on how account managers can really quickly uh, and reliably early on build trust with clients
1: yeah. I mean, absolutely. The first thing, and this is not going to be groundbreaking, uh, everybody's just going to be like, yeah, duh, Luke, but it's totally to demonstrate knowledge of the client's industry. So I think this is one area where agencies that specialize in in a, in a niche industry, that they are able to nail this one quite easily because their account managers hear about the industry all day, every day. They can go to different sorts of training programs um, in, in the industry. So for us, being in the tourism and, and hospitality industry, we've gotten really good at speaking that language. We know all the acronyms that the that the hotel GMs will use. Um, we know how to, um, to, to go behind the front desk of a hotel and like actually know what we're talking about, like with, what the front desk people are going through. So that counts for a lot and you can't be braggadocious with it, right? You don't want to come off sounding arrogant, uh, because you don't know as much as they do, but it goes a long way to, I think for me as the the owner of the company to invest in making sure that my account managers can gain the, the expertise they need to be able to talk intelligently in a specific industry.
0: Like you said, having the industry knowledge is is key, making sure that it's authentic, that it's backed up by agency success and not coming off as fake is is definitely important. I think I think any client worth their salt, even someone who's maybe inexperienced, can definitely sniff out when you don't know what you're talking about. So yeah. that is yeah. true. Now, despite how much trust someone might build with a client contact, sometimes I think what we've run into a little bit and you may may have as well is as the owner who is probably like you. Said, involved with a new business prospect, after you pass off a new client to uh, an account manager or to your team full time, sometimes that client contact, may, maybe they still want to work with you, or maybe they, they wish that they still had that initial reliable contact that they may have had in the beginning. Have you experienced anything like that before over the, the past eight, nine years? Or do you have kind of a protocol to overcome that, to make sure the transition keeps going as you, you like to see?
1: I have definitely experienced that, um, and it's it's been, um, there have been cases where it hasn't been so bad um, because it's an account that I um, had a, a lot of interest in and I and I wanted to be involved in it anyway. But as we get bigger, I don't really have that luxury. I'm busy kind of uh, doing the business development and growing the business, that kind of stuff. So now I do have to be very deliberate about making sure that handoff happens responsibly. So I come from the creative side um, of, of, um, of marketing. And so I am acting creative director right now Although we will need to be hiring a creative director um, at some point very soon here. But for me, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh man, it's that's huge though. Hiring a creative director for the first time when that's, you know, my business is built on creative. It's uh, that's that's a huge one. That's going to be almost as scary as hiring the first person that you ever hired. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. So but as. Acting as a creative director, still um, I do get to be involved early on in that role. So what has happened over the last few years, though, is that um, I need to be getting out of the day-to-day creative oversight and just be involved in the concepting, right? The campaign concepting early on, and I can I can be at those pitches and um, get people excited. But that's the fine line to walk, right? Is you can't get people too attached to 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 to, to me personally, and so the way I combat that is to make sure. That the client understands that these are not my ideas. This was a team effort, and I explain our brainstorming process, and I, you know, I talk about my content creators whenever I can, and how involved strategy is even in the creative process. So it's really about um, always saying "we" and, and never "I" during those first crucial couple months there.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think those are those are good, good ways to do it. And I think it's normal that, you know, you're, you're wanting to kind of get out of certain processes yourself so that you can focus on other portions of advertising and serving your clients. Now, when we look at uh, the year being 2018, a lot of things are changing. Do you have any account related challenges that your team is working on this year or anything that you guys are really looking out for for this year?
1: Yeah, I, I was listening to one of your your other episodes, Brooklyn, and um, it was I took uh, particular interest in a conversation that was happening around uh, project management. And I think one of your guests, even uh, I think their their title is, is even project manager versus account manager. So that is something that we are very interested in right now. So we have an account manager that has shown um, a particular skill in project management. So we are experimenting with transitioning her out of um, most of the client facing account management and being more of a project manager and thereby relieving uh, the other account managers of more of their day-to-day project management. So this is something that um, that we're we're trying to figure out, that balance between um, an account manager serving as project manager and do they do both and do it very well, which is absolutely possible. um, Or do they really focus on building trust with their clients and become more of a uh, a business manager and business advisor that's focused on their goals and be relieved of those project management duties. So that's a huge thing that we're working on in 2018, is trying to find that balance um, that works for us. And is it 90% account management and 10% project management? Or is it straight 50 50 that's what we're trying to figure out right now.
0: Yeah. And that makes sense. And, and by the way, thank you for, uh, I am glad you liked, uh, my, my episode where I, uh, talked about project management with, uh, with my guests. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, going back to, uh, and I guess this kind of weaves into stuff that, that, uh, trends that are kind of up and coming for this year, we kind of go back to that topic of trust. And I, I think that the context that we've been talking about is, is just on a general communication basis with clients. But another major area of trust that has been developing this year is trust as it relates to actual campaigns and campaign metrics. And, you know, I saw an article today, actually, that talked about how digital marketers are investing more into programmatic, even though they are skeptical of it, and they are becoming ever, ever more weary about the drawbacks of the transparency with a lot of programmatic platforms. What do you think? And I don't know if it's an account management thing in your perspective, or whether you think it's it's some other aspect of the agency client relationship. But uh, in terms of, I guess, the the campaign level type style of trust, you know, what, what do you see as kind of helping that situation? Or is there anything that you guys at Mondo are doing that is helping on again, that kind of operational campaign level, uh, where you're building that trust with clients?
1: Yeah. So, well, I'll go back to the programmatic thing. I mean, we lean heavily on programmatic at Mondo, um, because most of our ad spending that's happening is digital. We have uh, come to trust it, and it's it's been through some experimentation. Um, that we've definitely seen things that work and and some things that haven't. And when you see big buyouts happening, like we uh, we used TubeMogul Mogul uh, for years, and then Adobe bought them out, and it um, we were uh, we had to be on our toes when that buyout happened. The programmatic thing, I think, it's been around long enough that we we trust it, and it's it's not so like. Most clients, um, uh, well, the clients that we deal with anyway, they're not super sophisticated. And so they don't in the, in the marketing realm, they're definitely sophisticated in their business, but they don't necessarily know, uh, how programmatic even works. So it's, you know, it's not like we have to sit them down and, and really help them understand what they, what they care about is the results at the end. Right. So if we have their clear business goal and and we're meeting that, then really the, the, the details about how it's happening, um, most clients want to know some of the details, but, we've definitely learned through the years that when we had super detailed monthly reports that they just got tossed on the aside on the client's desk and they didn't really read it after all that effort we put into all the details of the, of the data and how everything, uh, was performing. So as long as you're meeting that, that, that one clear business objective, they're going to be happy. Right. So that's why I think it's so important. And the onus is on the agency to, uh, To always come back, and it you sound like a broken record sometimes, and and we've had some clients, you know, they want to experiment with some things, and we always have to bring them back, like ah, that's you know, do you remember your business objective from the from the beginning of the year? This is this is not going to get us there. So you sound like a broken record at times, but when when uh, when it comes to that 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 report at the end of the year that shows that you met your your business objective and hit your goals, that's where that that trust is developed, I think. Now now all that said, I mean, we do still we do still show i think the 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 kind of the the kpis right the key performance indicators and in digital it's it tends to be a lot of engagement because we do so much content marketing engagement is a big one for us um but we found that when you go too deep into it uh like if you open up the graphs and analytics uh, the eyes kind of start to glaze over
0: yeah and and dude you hit you hit really close to home man when you talk about those uh, those homemade digital reports that are also beautiful and everything <laughs> I, we, we have some clients that we do a quarterly reporting, but then we have some that it seems like they live and die by that, the monthly reporting that we go through, even if it's, even if it's conversational. But did you guys, when you made kind of a conscious effort to move to a more, you know, sparse quarterly type of report, did you guys get a lot of pushback or has that overall been smooth for you guys?
1: Overall, it's been smooth, but we definitely had, uh, two or three clients that did not, they, they wanted their monthly reports and they wanted them, uh, customized to what their needs were, Um, and it was really, so this was about a a year and a half ago that we made that switch, it was really only one client that had some very specific internal uh, methods for, for using the data that they got um, that it was, that it was a big problem. And because they were a valued client, you know, we've, we've kept a customized approach with them and it's, it's been okay. But yeah, for the most part, switching to quarterly and having it be more kind of a 30,000 foot view. And as long as we're meeting the objectives kind of thing, everybody's been receptive to it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's definitely some good food for thought, especially for, for me personally. So thank you for that. Now, um, we are, it looks like we're ending the, the near, uh, we are, we are nearing the end of our time, unfortunately here on the show, which you've given some awesome insights on strength transitioning accounts and uh, making sure that we're, we're building trust in many ways with clients. Uh, as it sounds like you've probably heard on some of my other episodes, I do get to ask you a curveball question, which I don't know if you were anticipating it or not. But uh, my curveball question for you is, if you had to eat one vegetable as your sole food for the rest of your life, what vegetable would that be and why?
1: Hmm. Uh, my first thought was potato, but that is that is the most boring answer ever. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can do a lot with potatoes. Yeah. So, so I'm Italian. So I think my, my grandfather would, uh, would be upset if I didn't mention garlic. I right. feel right. like garlic, like garlic and onions, man, both, both of those, they're, they're so, mm. they're so pungent. And, um, you know, when they stand alone, they're, uh, they're, they, they can't do much. So maybe if I only had one vegetable that I could have, they, those wouldn't be the proper ones. But man, when they work as a team with, uh, with the rest of the meal, they're the stars, right? So I guess I guess I like that um, that kind of mentality because that's how I try I try to run my business too. Um, that's <laughs> it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll bring that into the office tomorrow. I'll be like, hey, I'm the garlic to everybody else in here, and they're gonna be like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like? <laughs>
0: No, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Garlic is the king of uh, of just about everything for me. If, uh, you know, you, you go to an Italian restaurant and a lot of times they'll roast up, you know, just a, a nice head of garlic and just let you dip bread in oh, it. And yeah. I just, I eat just so many just heads of garlic. It, my, I think it horrifies my wife sometimes. So
1: yeah. And the beautiful thing is that you can grow garlic so easily because you just take the the cloves and just stick them in the ground in the fall and then they just magically grow when, when spring comes around. It's the best. I
0: did not know that. I I might have to give that a shot. I I don't know if the Florida climate is like a good thing for garlic, but definitely something for me to look into. So perfect. Well, come on up to
1: Vermont and we'll show you how we do garlic up here. Not like we're known for garlic or anything, but come on up anyway.
0: No boarding and garlic, man. I definitely have to make the trip up there sometime. So, but uh, but Luke, thank you again for being on the show. It was fantastic chatting with you and uh, just getting your expertise and your uh, your just uh, perspective as an agency owner. Um, if anyone that's listening wants to maybe get in touch with you just to kind of either maybe get get your your owner perspective on some other stuff or just to kind of pick your brain, uh, what's what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Sure. So um, I I tend to go online in my professional profiles is Luke Q, Luke Quentin, uh, Luke. Q. Q Stafford. So if you search LinkedIn for Luke Q Stafford, uh, I'm on there and um, I'm pretty active on the Twitter. So it's uh, my handle is Luke Q Stafford on there as well. Uh, Those are probably the two best places to catch me in my uh, my professional life online.
0: Sweet. Well, I will put those in the show notes for our listeners. And uh, yeah, with that, thanks again for being on the show and uh, definitely looking forward to uh, uh, seeing seeing how things go over at Mondo Media.
1: Thank you very much, Brooklyn. It uh, It was great talking to you.
0: And a huge thank you to all the guy and gal listeners out there. This is the end of another episode of SuitsCast. If you ever have a burning question you'd love to hear addressed in the show, or maybe you just want to get in touch with me and leave some feedback, I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at suitscast at gmail.com. One more time, that's suitscast at gmail.com. And lastly, if you'd like to support SuitsCast, there are two ways you can do so. The first way, if you haven't done so already, is to subscribe so you'll know exactly when the next episode is ready for your next listening session. And secondly, head on over to Apple Podcasts app if you aren't already there and leave a review for the show. Let me know and potential listeners know exactly what your thoughts are on SuitsCast. And with that, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again so much. See you next time and Suits out.